Christ's name's sake. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning again, everyone. It is certainly good to be back among you this morning and in this pulpit. And I would even say it's even better that we are together here in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's okay to say amen even in Anglican congregations. You can give yourselves permission to agree with things that sound godly. I want to thank you again for your love and your support of our family. I also want to thank you for your faithfulness to Jesus Christ and to the mission and ministry of Christ the Redeemer, especially in our absence these last few weeks, even as Christ himself is faithful to us in all things. And this morning I want to dive right into our gospel reading, and I want to suggest to you that over a four-week period, last week, this week, and the next two weeks going forward, that Jesus is revealing to us the very essence, the very essence of the gospel message. Words that the Son of God is speaking to us for the salvation of our souls, all wrapped up in one main idea that he says to us in several different ways. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Over these four weeks, we find ourselves in the sixth chapter of John's gospel. And to set the stage for what we're about to learn, I want to reach back into the text for just a moment. And I want to take us back to the fifth chapter of John's gospel. Now, unlike Bubba, I'm not going to ask you to open your Bibles. You can if you want to, but I didn't mark chapter and verse as meticulously he does. I just want to tell you the story. And in John chapter 5, Jesus has made some very provocative claims. Specifically, Jesus has made the claim that he himself is equal. He is equal with God. In fact, John says this. Jesus was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And if you go back and read more of John chapter 5, you will see Jesus making a whole litany of claims about his divinity. Even that the Son of God has the authority to raise the dead. Jesus goes on to say that the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Jesus says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Jesus says that if we refuse to come to him, then we refuse the life that he offers to us. And you can see why these words would cause controversy among the Jews. In fact, the text tells us that even then they began to persecute Jesus and that a division was starting to occur among the people because of his claims. And that division might be understandable, it might be understandable, that is, if his words were empty. But they were not. His words were substantiated by signs. And in John chapter 5 and also John chapter 6, we see these signs. Get this, in John chapter 5, we are told that Jesus meets a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. I spent a lot of time this week just thinking about that. Physically paralyzed physically paralyzed for 38 years. And when Jesus meets this man, he simply says to him, get up, take up your mat and walk. And at once, the scripture says, the man was healed and he walked. 
And then in John chapter 6, we see even more signs. Jesus multiplying the story we know, five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And again, in John chapter 6, Jesus walking on the water. Wouldn't that be fun just once? Just, one, just walking on the water once. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but, but the text says that the, the disciples were out in the boat three or four miles. So what does that mean? Jesus walked on the water three or four miles across the Sea of Galilee, a place that many of us have been not too long ago. And then the teaching. The Bible tells us the crowds were beginning to swell. They were filled with excitement but also confusion because there were claims and there were signs. But what did it all mean? Where was this going? And so Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And when the Jews heard the words, I am, the innuendo was unmistakable. Yahweh alone was the great I am who had made himself known to Moses in the desert. And of course, Jesus knew that. He knew exactly what he was doing by what he was saying. And so he begins a little compare and contrast exercise with them. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, he says, and they all died. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, he says. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, forever. Do, do we realize how audacious and, and ridiculous and, and bold and daring that claim is? If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Who could even fully comprehend what that means? And so here's the first point Jesus is making. This is unmistakable, and we have to understand it as Christians. Christianity is a religion of divine revelation. Christianity is a religion of divine revelation. More specifically, Christianity is the religion of divine revelation. In other words, it's not as though Christianity is one way among several ways that God has revealed himself, as if somehow all of the world's religions are just different paths leading up to the top of the same mountain. That's not correct. More specifically, it's not true. For Jesus himself says, you know this, I am, there are those two words again, I am not a way, not a truth, not a life. What does he say? I am the way, the truth, the life. And then he puts an exclamation point on the end of that provocative statement by saying what? No one, no one, no one. There is not one soul that has ever lived on this earth who will come to the Father apart from Jesus Christ. No one, no one, no one, not one comes to the Father but by me. And so, friends, this is the first step to our salvation. First, recognizing how it is that God has revealed himself to us in creation, by the law, in the covenants, and through the prophets, all of these things pointing to Jesus Christ himself. 
In other words, do you see him in the signs and wonders that are so obviously all around us? And more especially, do you hear him? Do you hear him when he calls you by name? Do you hear him when he calls you by name? And this takes us to the heart of the matter for today's reading. Revelation, of course, is where we begin. This is what we call the operative work of God, what God does to make himself known to us. God revealing himself in Jesus Christ our Lord, God making himself available to us by coming to us in the flesh. Yet revelation and information alone are not the goal, and they are not enough. Jesus didn't visit us merely to make claims and to perform signs and wonders for us as if he's some kind of cosmic sideshow. He came to save us. He came to draw us out of a life of sin and darkness and death. Jesus came to draw us to himself by his light by his love and by his life, his life, I am the bread of life. Because the goal of this divine revelation, the goal of this information that God gives to us is transformation and conversion, turning away from those things that kill us and turning toward the one who gives us life in him by his own claims. And so therefore, as Jesus makes this divine invitation, our work of cooperative faith is revealed. We see it in the Jews. Look at the text. They grumble among themselves, and a division starts to occur, as I said earlier. And they say, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How in the world can he say to us, I've come down from heaven? And my friends, I ask us, do you see what's happening here? The Jews are now making a choice, just as all of us will make a choice. We will make a choice. We will make a choice. How do you see this Jesus? In his own words, who do you say that I am? In light of his claims and his miracles, how do you respond to how he has made himself known to us. And here's the key. If we only see him in the flesh as a good man, a good teacher, even a prophet, if we only see him in the flesh as the Jews saw him in the flesh, in other words, if we decry his claims and we deny his miracles, we do so at the pain of our own death and not only in this life but for all of eternity. true according to his word again as jesus said your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died i am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever again that's either an outlandish lie or it's the best news we will ever hear in our entire lives i'm going with the second one by the way Thank you. It's wonderful news. 
And the bread that I will give, he says, is my flesh for the life of the world. And of course here he's talking about his crucifixion in anticipation of his resurrection. And as Father Charles said last week, it makes no sense, at least from an earthly perspective. How can a Savior save us if he dies? That should be an easy answer. In the flesh. But in the divine revelation... The story doesn't end with death. It ends in resurrection. And this is why Jesus also says to us, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In other words, it is his death and his resurrection alone that give us this life that he claims to have. Now, let me state something ridiculously obvious to you. No one has to tell you when you're hungry right? No one has to tell you when you're hungry. When we're hungry, our body sends us signals. We feel it in our stomachs. We smell it in our nostrils. Our mouths begin to water at the very thought of food. Even our brains begin to shut down as we lock in on getting something to eat. Am I just talking to myself? And are any of you getting hungry right now? In fact, here's another obvious statement. This happens to us three times a day. And if you're like me, well, sometimes a little more, perhaps. And unless we satisfy our hunger, we know what happens. Unless we satisfy our hunger, we starve and we die. So here's another obvious truth for us. We don't need anyone to tell us that we're spiritually hungry. No one has to say that because we already have the signs in similar ways. They come to us in the thoughts and the feelings that we have in our own hearts and minds. That yearning that you and I share in common for meaning and purpose. We want to know that we matter, we want to know that we're loved. We want to know that our lives have significance here on this earth. We want to be accepted. And that need to be accepted arises even more in the midst of our desperate need to be forgiven when we know that we've done something wrong. And finally, that persistent hope in each and all of us that there really is a somewhere over that rainbow and Jesus says to us, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So I don't have to ask if we're hungry. I know we're hungry. In fact, we're starving. That's why we're here, isn't it? Amen? That's why we're here. Because we know in our soul that we need this to feed on the word of God and to feast on his body and his blood in the Eucharist. And Jesus meets us again and again every single Sunday offering himself to us again and again and again and again. He's here. He's here. He's alive. Giving himself to us in the word and in the great sacrament. So I don't need to ask if we're hungry, but I might ask this question. Who are you feeding right now with this bread of life? 
Who are you feeding right now with this bread of life? Remember the question that the people in the crowd asked Jesus? They said, sir, evermore, give us this bread. Give it to us. The people are asking for it. They're practically begging for it. And in a world that is spiritually starving, we have so many opportunities to be fed right here at Christ the Redeemer. Weekly worship, right? This is the first day of the week. These are the first hours of the day. And we drag ourselves out of bed in whatever condition we find ourselves to come here because this is the right way to start our week. And it goes on. Life groups, outreach opportunities, locally, regionally, internationally. And all it takes for us to offer this heavenly food to others is this. A willingness to be like Jesus. A willingness to take the same kind of risk that he took. A willingness for us to give our flesh for the life of the world. Right now we all have family and friends. Let me say that again. Right now we all have family and friends. And we know they need Jesus. Right now, you and I live in a community right here in southwest Fort Worth. We live in a city. We live in a world that is crying out for Jesus Christ. Even if they don't know it, we can hear them crying by the way they live their lives. You know this. And God is calling us. And let me be a little specific and personal and provocative myself. If you're baptized, God is calling you. He's calling you. Every baptized Christian has a claim and a call on his and her life to give our flesh for the life of the world. To march out of this place into this sickness, sin-sick world and to offer ourselves again, 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 and again. You've heard me say this before. Sometimes you just have to take one more step than the devil is willing to take. And in that gap, find the salvation of someone's soul who's been in bondage for so long a period of time. We've said this over and over again. Christianity is simply one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. It's true. They know where to find food when we open up our lives before the, Lord, the world and we live authentic and we live transparent and we have nothing to hide because that's the story of how Jesus has redeemed us. Remember the woman at the well. Jesus met her there. She was ashamed. She was embarrassed. She was humiliated. She was hiding. She was cast out from her community. And as he poured life into her, as he redeemed her, as he saved her, what did she do? She ran back to her very community and she said to them, Hey, here's a guy who told me everything I did. And what happened to that community? They went and they found Jesus because they saw such a great transformation in her and she was willing to share it. Everybody knew what was going on, but her willingness to be vulnerable and transparent and authentic changed an entire community for the sake of the gospel. Come and see, my friends. Come and see what this amazing Christian community is all about. Come see what has helped me, what has encouraged me, what has changed me, what has saved me. Come and meet my brothers and sisters in Christ. I dare say we really do like each other around here. 
Brothers and sisters, you and I hold in our hearts and in our hands the most precious gift that anyone can offer. Who are you feeding with the bread of life right now? Better question, who is God calling you to feed? Who is that person, those persons that God is putting in your heart and your mind right now to reach out to them with our flesh for the sake of the gospel? Pray for them, talk to them, encourage them, and invite them because Jesus says to us, I am the bread of life. He who eats of this bread will never die. And he who believes in me will never thirst. And you can take that to the bank as a promise from God Almighty himself. Amen.